0: hello and welcome to youtube's favorite comic book channel cartoonist kayfabe my name is jim rugg i'm ed pisgore want to remind everybody we have a patreon now for cartoonist kayfabe different levels give you access to these videos ahead of time put you ahead of the kayfabe effect which is a real thing we hear about it every week also at the king kayfaber level you get access to all of our videos early and you get to sit in on the recording session which i appreciate it's kind of like our brain trust out there. That's so it. add your brains to it and join at the King K Faber level, and you can watch us talking about comics live every Thursday. Also, our videos are brought to you by the books that we make. We are Working Cartoonists. You see our bibliography in front of you on the screen right now. Some big books coming out later this year. Ed Piskor has Hip Hop Family Tree, The Omnibus, coming out later this year in time for holiday season. Collects all of the Hip Hop Family Tree strips, along with 140 pages of extra material. Also starting up very soon, the third season of Red Room, Crypto Killers. This is the main cover for issue number one. There are several variants, including my homage to Youngblood number one. Here's the cover for Crypto Killers number two. Make sure you let your store know that you want this pre-order these today so you won't be left out. Ed also has four volumes of Hip Hop Family Tree currently available, three volumes of X-Men Grand Design and an Omnibus, and WYSIWYG, uh, if you can still find it on the shelves somewhere. My next big release, Street Angel, Princess of Poverty from Image Comics will be out this summer. It collects all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel, Deadliest Girl Alive, also from Image, also available wherever you buy books back in print after almost a year or so. Complete your Street Angel collection and put both volumes on your shelf. I also have the Hulk grand design, an oversized fluorescent green cover, you cannot miss it while supplies last, and Plain Janes, the uh, first young adult graphic novel. So, Ed, we are continuing our coverage of Wizard Magazine. This is issue number 53, January 96. It's a big year and spectacular. So we're going to get some of the biggest stories of the 1995 year. And uh, you're Wizard in better shape than me because you have some of the supplement materials yeah. like this Ash mini comic, an exclusive uh, preview to the upcoming event, Joe Quesada, Jimmy Palmiotti launch. Vampirilla Gallery card, this was the dumbest stuff. Not just them, a bunch of companies did this, but this is your standard trading card size, and they decided they were gonna make them bigger. This is the equivalent of doing magazine size publishing in the comic book world. Yeah. Doesn't fit in any of your card holders. Well, they built new card holders. Sure they did, of course. Uh, This is the other big promo, the battle of the century with Marvel and DC Comics. You see kind of the lineup. I almost said a big fight feel but uh, I don't know if they quite deliver that. But you could vote on these? Was this accurate? Did they actually uh, tally these votes? Because no. I would think Marvel would crush the competition with the possible exception of Batman versus Captain America. Wish they would have done it that way. Could have been very, very uh, embarrassing I for mean, one or the other.
1: It would have to be on the independent level, man. Just like uh, go see or Death of Superman comics. Oh my goodness. Out there.
0: As you guys are finishing up the Deaths <laughs> of Superman, you may want to revisit the uh, DC Marvel Comics Battles of the Century. It's funny, this is something that I missed. I've never seen a page of one of these comics. Yeah, I got the first issue and it is
1: a job fest, man. Even with like reasonably good artists on it, the the writers
0: just, If you can't make the preview art look good, that's saying something. But uh, this cover is really awesome. It's the Ramitas teaming up. So, you know, at this point in 96, you're going back to John Ramita Sr., back to the 60s Spider-Man. And John Romita Jr., who recently we had on, talked to about he's still drawing Spider-Man all these decades later. I mean, between the two of them, they're coming up on 70 years of Spider-Man with the Romita signature somewhere on you, it. You can see both of
1: their hands so yes. clearly in this too, man. Like the kind of uh, detailed backgroundscapes of J.R.J.R., the marks that we're familiar with, with the Al Williamson inked daredevil comics that uh john ramita jr drew but that sharp as a needle oh, thick beautiful brush beautiful feathering john ramita senior all over it man
0: yeah it's it's a really nice uh a nice pairing and i just the, i mean father son like this is
1: super cool right It's beautiful
0: yeah there are,
1: there are issues of comic artist magazine the flip issue where it's like one side is the Kuberts, the other side is the uh, ramitas
0: yeah very nice stuff. And you open the uh, open this thing up, and the first thing you notice the prominent ads, uncomic related. Yeah, that's not a good sign for the uh, the comics industry at that time. We're gonna go through this pretty quick because this is a very uneven issue in my uh, in my reading experience. And so we're gonna save everybody at home by uh, trying to focus on the good and, and maybe glossing over the stuff that I don't have much to say about. Yeah. Uh, the typical kind of preview stuff here. A lot of fluff. Um any letters stand out to you? No letters. Yeah, nothing too exciting to me there either. Which is funny. You'd think they would uh I don't know, save some good ones for their big anniversary issue.
1: Well, you you know, I mean what what they consider good. You know, maybe well, that's they, fair. maybe they did. And one of them is like, "You know, I wish you guys were more uh I like it better when you were sarcastic and, yes. and jerky. You and know, like <laughs> like, why don't you bring some of that back
0: to comics? Yes, curse you letter writer, because I feel like it does come back at some point. That's what they were known for, I think, by the end. When uh, when like Joe Madureira
1: came out, and then there were, like all the dudes copying him. Uh, one of the things that they would copy is like everybody starts to get the Bobby Brown jaw man, the uh, the sort of crackhead jaw swivel thing as part of like dynamic face design. And that's that's an example. You got two guys right there with the with the BBJ.
0: We had uh I think his name's Brian Denham show up in our comments yeah. who draws the Bad Rock and Violator crossover. Is that what it was? Yeah, he said that he he chose Alan Moore and
1: maybe he said that word, but I'm I'm sure that Either way,
0: it's his first comic and Alan Moore writes it. Makes me very curious to see that issue. You think if if like it's if I'm Rob series. Liefeld and uh, we get Alan Moore doing one of my characters as a crossover, I feel like I'm signing up for that one. Well,
1: like we're gonna re- we're gonna learn a lot about Rob's schedule and where he's at. It's a very Charles Foster Kane kind of uh,
0: that's fair story. I like seeing the letter art just in terms of what are the characters that make it in. I didn't recognize these names uh, or in the art section, but like Hellboy, Peanuts, Generation, Lord X, Pumpkin from fucking Ultraverse. And- <laughs> Lady Rawhide, and I guess Zoro maybe far in the background. So bizarre. Wildcats with a Nintendo game. Do you remember that?
1: You know, I never played it, man. Never played it. Cartoon would be out at that point. And then there's like the Marvel Action Hour. See, see I was going to those intramural comic classes around this time, and like the Marvel Action Hour, I think it was a syndicated show, so you never knew like what channel it would show up on, but it would be one half hour... Iron Man one half hour Fantastic Four and they had toys and everything but it was it paled in comparison to uh, the X-Men.
0: Some uh, some big notes here. The Crow is getting uh got to exploit the Crow, man. We've got a successful movie franchise and James O'Barr isn't drawing more of them, so let's bring in some other creative teams. Yeah, very sad and
1: disappointing. And Alex Maleev is no slouch, but uh Just that kind of like goth aesthetic, it's so rooted in the 90s now. Like, these are very timely comics that are stuck in that age. And all we wanted, like, we get it. Like, the regular comic fan could give a fuck about the creator. And we find that out the second Kirby leaves and anybody buys issue 102 of Fantastic Four or an issue of Spider Man that isn't by Dick. We get that. But on the independent level, you would think, like, all bets are off. Like, these are character-driven fans. I mean, these are creator-driven fans and stuff. Not the case. They were able to milk the Crow license with so much boring fucking Crow comics, man. And it's just like, don't you get it? We just want James O'Barr to make more comics.
0: That's exactly it. You know, as good as the Crow is, it's O'Barr's art that's unique to me and uh always hungry for more of that but not what we were getting in these additional crow comics
1: yeah just just
0: very very boring <laughs> don simpson with megaton man announcing his presidency <laughs>
1: yeah like so- <laughs> or
0: declaring his candidacy for president so weird yeah it's funny to think of like how many characters have done this i was thinking of howard the duck had a uh, 70s version of uh you know howard the duck for president and that's the thing that like don simpson is like from old school so like
1: he's probably like like, uh, you know, that's the, that's the influence, you know, like nothing, nothing more modern or anything like it.
0: Um, we're going to see, I have a bunch of these Motown comics. Yeah. They're an image imprint. And, uh, apparently Marvel was originally going to distro those. They, they were, it reminds me of Milestone in a way, because I think the plan was they retain them, the, you know, the rights to them but then distributed by a bigger company. And then whenever Marvel switches their distro up, they end up going to image. Um, n- nothing much comes of them. I think they do about seven or eight total issues are released, but interesting that somebody had that deal in place. Wasn't Michael Davis
1: a Milestone guy?
0: You know, that that name does sound familiar. I'm not I'm not sure, it could be. Yeah, it definitely could be. Uh, Wendy Peeney, some, some updates on ElfQuest, doing a lot of movie work at that point. In yeah it's some just, other work.
1: it's just never gone down. They always talk about like the movie. It's almost like she should just never mention it ever Yes. so <laughs> until until it comes out because that thing has been in the works quote unquote for for 40 years at this point. Yeah,
0: and she says she wrote the screenplay and did the uh, storyboards. I'd be curious to see storyboards. I think that's always interesting totally. when the artist doesn't. And, it. It.
1: And, th- and I think one of the noteworthy things is, oh uh, yeah, uh, Wendy Peenie is re- returning to draw the final three issues of like one of the miniseries, which had the same kind of deal as, uh, as the, the Crow stuff we were just talking about. Like there's been zillions of fucking ElfQuest books and you know, she was off doing some other things. But like, she's a strong cartoonist. She is what made ElfQuest... ElfQuest? So all that other Barry Blair shit doesn't it doesn't register with, with anybody at our level who is deep in the craft, deep in the game, who cares about structure of comics and the creation of comics it's just serving a need to fans
0: basically. And here's your timestamp. This is the corpse from Hellboys being I guess collected and released as an issue and Manola kind of says, you know this is a high point. this is what he's going to be uh, judged against you know future. Future uh, Hellboy stories. We've looked at that, I think, maybe a couple times, maybe in an artist edition. A phenomenal comic. So, uh, latest Zurich Foundation recipients announced. I don't even know most of these people. I recognize Jessica Abel, um, David Yurkovich, Death by Chocolate. I, I see that now and then in a dollar bin.
1: Yeah. The rest of he, those I
0: don't know that I've ever seen.
1: He, I, I, I didn't see anything, but, but uh, Art Babe, when she becomes a Fantagraphics head for three issues or something like that uh Yurkovich, when i get involved with top shelf he's got uh it's like a superhero uh graphic novel that that was done and maybe it's the characters from this all collected or something
0: but uh, oh, i don't know yeah but i love seeing a- it I, I think the xeric foundation uh you know you look at that total list of everything that was handed out from them and all the talent pretty pretty damn impressive it's almost kickstarter before kickstarter in a way because mm-hmm. there's probably a couple hundred recipients and that was many of them went on to big careers
1: that was their argument for stopping yeah uh the the xeric grant they said that kickstarter had now fills that niche
0: i don't have too much uh in the company updates this mall rats kitchen sink does a mall rats book i, I never saw if that, heard that. Yeah, I
1: because like it's amazing when you watch that that beginning Sequence where they have comic artists do title cards for every person in the movie like that's clearly a Jay Lee yeah joint but they'll get all the dudes from like gaijin studios like Jason Pearson does one Adam Hughes. Does I haven't one. seen that movie
0: since about when it came out kind of curious to uh, revisit that one of these days. Yeah, it's
1: really it's really fucking sick man. I um, mean uh, uh Allred shows up and so like to have those actually like collected in a book is something I always wanted. Uh, Because you only see those images, you know, pretty low fidelity uh, for a half a second. And it's really rigorous. I mean, I'm sure they made more better money doing that piece of art than they would for a cover for any comic books.
0: You know, we, um, I often talk Caliber Comics and mention them. The yeah. Caliber Comics here, they're doing Bendis's, A.K.A. Goldfish, an issue of that, as well as the David Mack Kabuki uh, color special of that is listed there. Jeff Smith and Charles Vess are contributing to Negative Burn. That's a pretty good listing for Caliber Comics in terms of uh, present and future talent. Negative Burn is always worth picking up if you see that in the old bins. Punisher gets new duds and a new life. The worst Punisher sketch i've ever seen i don't think that even exists i don't think so either although you can see a little bit of ponytail and in the back whenever they show like a punisher upcoming issue you can see the ponytail that's funny flopping behind them
1: that's funny there, there's there's so much stuff that's like, Marvel's about to do this, but we know for a fact these things don't have
0: It's there's it's actually a little bit disgusting and scary. We'll there's there. a ton of stuff listed in this issue that I'm like, I don't know if this came out or not. If it did, I'm curious about it. The maximum press listings are Thunder Agents, number one. I don't know if they ever did any Thunder Agents. No. And um, War Child, number one, that Liefeld's supposedly drawing. I don't know that comic either, because War Child, that's the chap, chap-, chap- yep. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's... I, I don't know. It's bizarre. There's quite a few of these kinds of things. The Battlestar Galactica. I don't know if this was actually published. I, I remember hearing about the promo stuff, but I don't know if it actually was published.
1: And once again, this is where Wizard will be going, where a big piece of news is that some fucking hack actor uh, is going to be writing a comic. like comics is so disrespected, even by the creators of comics, that having some hack actor yeah. who fucking is the, a $20 signature at a comic convention it's newsworthy and you even accept to like give him a job to like write a thing
0: just just for potential headline fodder here's something you never consider the Battlestar galactica aaron gray right she's one of the uh people who pioneered like these tv star movie she might be buck rogers oh maybe i think she's buck rogers yeah it's interesting like why this stuff ends up connected to comics right
1: because they might have like rob might have like got dinner or, or, that's or, what like, i'm saying or, like,
0: like they're they're groups that infiltrate like the comic-con scene yeah and uh you know that's what this is what you get from that I feel that's like that should great, be censored dude that's a great image i
1: feel like that's gonna hit tip our algorithm in it <laughs> and make this an adults only fucking
0: video These casting calls yeah real dumb <laughs> caught in a web it's trash I have nothing to say about this stuff.
1: Yeah, I was looking, I was like, did this Andy is... Mangles guy write this? Or is that a nom de plume for Andy Mangles?
0: Is it Carl Allstadter's uh, like <laughs> kid brother or something that's got a job here? Yeah, see, they really pivot into this kind of shit. Now, this is fun this is fascinating It made me want to revisit uh what was the movie that we did the review of funny funny pages right um because this is the color separator this is what that main dude is right. you know image comics <laughs> and i did not realize exactly what this was gregory wright made a post somewhere yeah. uh we should talk to him at some point yeah. Longtime colorist in comics and writer uh but he posted about sort of these early days of the digital coloring and what that looked like because he was saying like um i think joe kyoto the uh the wild storm colorist right Was a painter you know so like as this stuff became like digital that painting ability really served him well as opposed to a lot of the colorists that were doing flat colors before digital happens and uh the i'm fascinated by it it's such an interesting transition i mean so here's the thing like nowadays
1: the colorist is the color separator as per this so like at this point in time it wasn't cost effective to colorists who are used to doing things a certain way. They didn't can't like learn a whole new technology in the midst of doing all this work and things. So they're putting this stuff together with fucking markers and paints and colored pencils and then you give it to a technical person yep. to try to approximate all of the stuff they're seeing on the piece of paper digitally. And the other piece that Greg Wright said was that separations were always a crapshoot. I don't know if he said that publicly or like to me after the Eric Larson chat, but you never knew if you got a, a good guy who could like mm-hmm. who could who could translate that material. Basically just doing Photoshop, uh, using all the tools of Photoshop to try to get your colors down because you're the artist and they're the guys that just know computers pretty well. Super nineties font. I've been very, yeah. very conscious of 90s font because like that's a very important part of, like, my next comics and stuff.
0: There's quite a few bits of layout in here where I was like, oh, yeah,
1: it's 90s design. And it's so fascinating, the language, because it would be like, uh, you know, on Reddit, there's that, like, ELI5, like, explain it like I'm five years old. Uh, Things like layers are... Imagine you're stacking paper and you're coloring, you know, the far background, but then you could stack a piece of paper on top of it. Like, it's all this very, very basic language to explain what we all actually take for granted now look at reuben Rude's setup this is a famous photo like this photo would be in back matter of wildstorm books or like maybe even some McFarlane shits because i know rude will uh do a little color with him but seeing all this stuff it's like i now know what these things are that's marker refills for like uh, copics and shit you get those super expensive markers and it becomes a whole thing where like you could buy fresh tips whenever the tip starts to dull, and then you just put you uncap that put that put the uh Thing you know, gravity works. So you hold it upside down, and then just hold it against the marker tip, and it just seeps right into the body of that marker. But like, it's so fucked up, dude. Cause like, look at how rigorous this shit is. Yes. Print that. Like like, uh, scan it in. You know what? I bet you this to scan that might be a fucker. And like, it, that's why it might be easier to do it in the computer because to scan that in with all of the fidelity of that just doing a black and white image in 2000, 2001 for me with the parallel port fucking scanners. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It would be like, uh, the weekend
0: to do a couple of pages. Yeah. I can remember rendering stuff in the computer lab in the late nineties, and it'd be like overnight stuff. And sometimes it didn't work power would right. go out something like that and it'd just be like oh shit!" don't wait until the day before your critique and don't even uh get me started
1: on thinking that you have a shape that's completely filled in and then paint bucket blacking <laughs> and realizing that you don't and the whole screen is getting painted black in very very small doses at a time like uh go go get
0: a full lunch it's interesting here what you're seeing is uh reuben rude did a color mock-up john ramita senior did a color mock-up that he sent in with the cover and why i say that's interesting is this is that wild west era of like what are we getting um gregory wright was talking about like even when he's doing these kind of color guides he's writing in the old codes because he wants specific colors to be there so when you see art director john ramita senior providing this stuff it kind of speaks to like where you're at at this stage Let's talk about the art directing of the photographs because we're dealing with color separators and there's mad gels being used,
1: man. Like, <laughs> like if I was... Like, I, I had this when I was a kid. And uh, I would assume that they just... Because they're colorists, they just like colored light. Like, I would believe that.
0: We used to do uh, photo shoots in my... First, like, in the early 2000s at my job and we would do color gels like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been a decade later. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Big Rob Liefeld... Uh, i don't know return to comics kind of overview state of the union at this point where he's at you know a couple years into running his uh studio in california about 28 years old and it is not a
1: pretty picture uh he's he's frustrated he doesn't get the drawing time that he wants he's punching walls and and can't can't shake people's hands how wild is that for a detail because his 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 hand is is fucking messed up from punching walls out of frustration because dudes are, are bugging him He literally says that there are people that he, in his employee, which is just, I think that's like one of the things that, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, makes me gun shy about taking on employees. Because I never hear good stories of people's bosses. Everybody hates their boss. Everybody's underpaid. And Rob Liefeld has a lot of dudes under his wing that he's paying.
0: And 75 people on payroll.
1: And literally saying that, like... There are people here. It's it's just Caesar. You know, it's Julius Caesar. There are people here, who who don't like me. People that he's paying. Yeah. That
0: talk shit and shit. Like, you know, it's, it's it's very high school. It's very strange to think of that he's the boss and yet he's got these people that it's like I'm not going to lunch with that guy. It's dramatic.
1: It's 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 high school stuff. And and with that, and there is so much sycophant chatter in here, man. Where they're like, oh yeah, like like. I go to lunch with them every day, cause like I know how to hang and like, right, <laughs> and like shit like that, man. Where it's like, wow, pretty whack.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's it's quite an interview. Uh, the numbers
1: are down a lot compared to what they were. Uh, if you watch the Image Revolution documentary, there's a part with uh, Marat Michaels talking about going into the studio, and Rob is like sad and has his head hanging, and Mar- Marat's like, Yo, man, what's wrong, dude? And uh, Rob is like. We got our first book that sold under 300,000 copies. <laughs> that would be tough. <laughs> In that same documentary, there is the part where Rob has taken some of his job dudes to the window. And and I've been to that office. Like, I've been there, man. I've seen it. And uh, he's, like, pointing out to the car lot. And Rob's like, all those cars out there? I bought all those sports cars for you guys and shit like that, you know?
0: Danny Mickey and, stu- and you know, going in studio and uh, going over some inking with uh, I you know, his top inker, I think, at the time for sure. Look how much clutter is in that office, it makes me kind of uncomfortable just looking at it. Little uh, sidebar here, life out bearing the hatchet. Going back to do the cover for X Force 50.
1: Yeah, I have that, but like, I it doesn't it doesn't register for me, I don't, it doesn't ring a bell. Um, but in two issues, I believe, from this, we're going to be getting into Heroes Reborn. Right. So he's mending those fences. And it, he says even here, like, don't confuse me for Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson. Like, I don't have a problem with Marvel. Never did. And I credit Bob Harris for a lot of stuff that happened in my career. He said it on our, our interview also.
0: Yeah. Makes me think that uh, Bob Harris may be the editor-in-chief when they do the Heroes Reborn. It might be editor-in-chief by at this point. Here's the curious thing, because he's... not sure
1: of the timing on that, but here's the curious thing dude because he is the writer of avengers as we'll see in this Mm -hmm. so is he playing along without the other job guys who are doing those titles knowing that because like we'll we'll, we'll get get there we'll get there i don't know that this extreme destroyer thing ever happened oh i think it did i I think it did i know sacrifice happened but I, i just don't remember this Now, how about that, man? You buy a two-page spread ad, you buy a singular-page spread ad, you get a three-four-page article in in Wizard? Is that how the game is played?
0: I don't know, man. I'll tell you this. Street Angel was reviewed in Comics Journal back in the day, and I bought Comics Journal ads. (laughs) Are they related? I don't know. My day job, we used to do that all the time.
1: Ain't no uh, regulations on this kind of stuff. Ain't, ain't Ain't no FCC payola shits.
0: I think this came out. I feel pretty because like night strike is definitely a book you know I I feel like this probably came out
1: oh look at that man he one of the things he's talking about in uh the article was going back and forth am I going to uh cancel Newman Newman at the time I believe was Todd Knox art and and I loved that aesthetic it was these very bouncy muscular mu- musculatures like and the color complemented them pretty well because he had a very spare line as opposed he was he was probably the closest to like AJ Scott Campbell for extreme
0: studios he was a young dude then too yeah he won
1: several uh magazine contests beforehand like like his name was kind of known so uh Rob opted like we're going to cancel new men but we're gonna pivot and call it new
0: force um, if we talk to Life Out again, we ought to talk to him about the differences in some of the inkers he worked with. Yeah, this spread inked by Sybil, who um, would be the inker on the Captain America run that he would do, and very different than Mickey's. Ink, yeah, in my I don't, opinion. yeah, I don't like it at all. And Joe Weems just post, it's, posted posted a comment to me. Yeah, like I think I think that he
1: this, this Sybil might have been a discovery of uh, of uh, Rob Liefeld. I think Mickey was also, but like, yeah. Uh, well, Mickey was doing assistant work with uh, T Bear. Uh, but I think Sybil was completely discovered by him and was just going along. Like, whatever you say, Rob, Like I will trace whatever whatever you tell me to.
0: Did this come out, or was this X-Men 2099, or those two books? X-Men 2099 is earlier than this, okay. and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Umberto Ramos' Marvel debut, I think? Yeah, I don't know that either, man. Who You know, it's interesting because a couple of these guys become cliffhanger. You know, like, they become, like, the... I'm going to do air quotes for the hot artist because that's going to be something that comes up in later articles in here that's kind of interesting. But one of those new guys, and you do see that American manga kind of stuff. Like this panel in particular to me is just right out of that ninja high school kind of school. So kind of neat.
1: Now this is the one that I'm talking about, dude. This like article, Urban Renewal, the Rebuilding the House of Ideas. One of the things that's a regular theme in this issue is how Marvel is contracting... A lot of their titles, man, stuff like Black wolf
0: or uh, you know forceworks. It's the subtext of this issue is it that is. like the comics industry is really struggling, and so different expressions of that, but a big one is people are cutting back on titles. Publishers are cutting back on titles because yeah. like stuff's not selling, but the core stuff is going to stick and so
1: now we have Marvel Heroes, Avengers, Captain America, Fantastic Four. And all the plans... Okay, so uh, when X-Men editor-in-chief Bob Harris... So he's not... It's probably still DeFalco, maybe. Um, So he's the ex editor So maybe he's completely ignorant. This goes to show you the kind of, like, palace intrigue, conspiracy, cloak-and-dagger stuff in corporations. If Bob Harris is talking about all this stuff he's going to be doing with the Avengers, and in two months you're gone. uh, Same thing with...
0: is that the time frame
1: dude i'm gonna grab this real quick so we're we're looking at what issue 53 right yep issue 55. wow lee lifel return so there it is man uh yeah these guys are all out so we're hearing a whole lot of vaporware about what's going to happen and you know mark wade and ron garney they're getting some props for their captain america they have all these plans sayonara fellas And it continues like Iron Man, that'll be a Will's book. I wonder, I do wonder what happened with Thor, because Thor was part of the Avengers, so I wonder if what happened with that series as uh, Heroes Reborn was happening.
0: It was some of the strangest stuff when I was doing Hulk Grand Design, was like so, trying to sort out what that stuff was. Right? It's very bizarre. Yeah, this is good. Flip the page who's in
1: who's out so like this is the stuff that ain't going to continue and i'm actually surprised by the uh the punisher stuff because it was such a hot book when we were kids to to the point where it did warrant you know punisher war journal to exist and it was one of those books that i lusted after all the time but it really got very boilerplate like they didn't get good artists they got very very average artists after they hot-shotted it to start with like klaus and then Will portacio and uh, Mike, Eric
0: Larson does a little stint on he it, he
1: does, he does, and then Jim Lee with War Journal. But uh, War Journal almost immediately dies, like, like, after Jim Lee, there's not that many good guys on that. There would be like Michael Golden pinups and shit, that would be kind of cool.
0: Tex, I think, does a couple of issues, Those are good. I don't think he's a regular artist on it,
1: yeah, yeah. But uh, the Chuck Dixon writing kind of is like what, car- what carried it and made it kind of interesting. The Mike baron writing kind of he stuck on for a long, long time and, and kept it. To the streets yeah. you know
0: but pretty pretty anyway shady. preview of what they uh, have planned yeah. for, for these books those previews are the stuff that like that doesn't interest me too much because like it's all come and gone and i don't know if any of it's made any marks um stanley interview this was a big deal this was a cover feature um always loved this card of stanley yeah it's great that was part of the i think the college no never mind
1: no oh, oh the, the the card is a contrivance much later but that image mm-hmm. is from the college tour
0: did you pull anything out of here? I,
1: I didn't read it because I know it all. I've heard him say it all a thousand times. There's not one new thing in here. So it's whatever whatever uh, you've, you've read or heard him say, it's all in here. Uh, one of the great pieces, and it's probably in the Free Comic Book Day version of uh, Tom's uh, Stan Lee book. I'll give him a plug on that thing right there. But he does this one page that's so fantastic where it's like the visual evolution... It's like, say, nine panels and it's almost like a Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, where the colors keep changing and stuff. And then it's a progressively aging Stan Lee, loses hair, gets a lot of hair, (laughs) has a shades, like all that stuff, saying the same sentence to illustrate that this guy has his wrap down. Oh, yeah. And that's all we're seeing here. It's literally, you could just skip it. Every now and then I'd like to see if he mentions that uncle uh, Martin Goodman's a cousin and stuff,
0: and his take on that is uh oh man, it's in here, and he basically says distant relative right <laughs> yeah he uh he's trying to push away from that nepotism. They talk Hollywood too, I wonder kind of like reading this and thinking of where comics, and especially Marvel has gone how, how important Stan Lee is in the history of like Marvel making its transition to the movies because he does make deals. Like, you know, I think he's the liaison whenever like the comics and stuff, the cartoons and stuff are happening. That's kind of the big success here in terms of LA. But I wonder like, is he the guy, does he lay groundwork that is then in the two thousands really turned into into money? Here's the thing that uh, it's a question that I've always
1: had uh, about, about these big companies and stuff where he says it here. I'm the publisher and I'm the something else but it's an honorific yeah, title.
0: He does say that.
1: And so like when Dan DiDio is publisher or like John and me or whoever is like a Marvel publisher, it ain't your money. Like what what is that? What does that mean you're the publisher? You ain't publishing shit, you got a job. You're an employee. Like what? how is that publisher?
0: Yeah, I have no idea what their responsibilities are, but Eric he Stephenson. does explain that he's like, not involved. Yeah, like, Eric Stevenson. Like, like what what does that mean? Like, it's a, I bet it's different from company to company, and even from, like, whoever the previous publisher was to the current ones. But I don't know what the list would be. I bet it's pretty different between what er, uh, Eric Stevenson I'm, does versus I'm the sure game, I'm sure Stevenson's you know.
1: very hands-on. But, like, yeah, the Marvel DC stuff, it's like, you're being told what to do. You're a fucking employee.
0: Like, I'm, I gotta take you seriously? Are you kidding me? Uh, Greg Capullo's Crash Course, Powerful Pages Fast. This is my favorite uh, installment so far the Capullo stuff. Yeah, I'm on board. I like all of this. And he kind of goes through and he says, you know, one of the main problems is there's too much sameness in amateur pages. So he's gonna give you some tips on things to do to uh, spice up your page layouts. First thing is close-ups. And these are all examples of different close-ups, some extreme close-ups like this eyeball or the gun hammer, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's pretty interesting. It reminded me of, like, Wally Wood's 22 panels that always work. Yeah. It reminds me of, like, composition stuff that we'll read from Alex Toth. Uh, nothing contradictory here, but I think this is a really good... I agree with all this. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he makes fun to look at pages. We looked at
1: uh, a controversial issue uh, not too long ago on the Kayfabe channel that is pretty much spearheaded by
0: him. We if were... we do another issue of Spawn with him, I'd be curious to, like, pull these out yeah you know pull out these things because like larger than life is an extreme foreground object i love that idea let's do it like because like the issue that we would look at is the kids with the with the uh cop dad you know frame up this is something that you'd see in will eisner like oh let's put the camera outside of the window you know so we're looking at action through the window things of that nature uh having your black in the foreground whether it's silhouette or just like a deep shadow (laughs) this is him he's like Hey, guys, check it out. You can put two shadows over top of each other. <laughs> uh, heads up or, or down, you know, bird's eye view shot, overhead shot, good for establishing. But anyway, all this stuff makes total sense to me, and it really does remind me of the wood stuff in that it's like, this is your quick checklist when you're doing your layouts. How's that for a period of time, baby? Get totally. your little American online disc for free. Wizard art, always fun, didn't recognize any names in here. Starting to get some more of that computer colors. There's stuff. some weird stuff in, in some of these, like they're not even related to like a wizard cover anymore. So it makes me wonder, did the contributions fall off? Right. You know, your odds are a little better now if you uh, send something in than if you did at their peak. And Some are really uh, pretty developed. Like this Batman is, uh, it feels like, yeah, send that into a convention. Like go try to get some work. Homemade heroes. And it's just posing existing figures, so it's not even homemade heroes. I guess some of them are. I like the Ripclaw versus Wolverine. Is just a, I, I had to look because I'm like, Wolverine? Is that a combination? It's Wolverine's head in a bloody bag. <laughs>
1: this 8 to the
0: 4, there was an earlier mm-hmm. We've issue, seen this issue that
1: had that. And they were, they were spot on with the exception of maybe one or two people who might have just like, pivoted out of comics and you know had success elsewhere but they do seem to be pretty solid with their prognostications.
0: They did well with Charles Adlard as your number one listing here. I feel like if you were going to arrange like uh I don't know successes or or payoffs that guy's probably pulled the most money out of uh, this list but um some of them I don't even know you but check know. this
1: out yo man Charles Adler 20 to 25 pages a week are extremely productive 15 fully penciled and ink pages are insane to say that Charles Adler is faster than a bullet is a gross understatement that's amazing right but I
0: don't know what that means
1: it means he's a fast artist he makes yeah he is a fast artist pages. I
0: don't think he's penciling 25 pages a week in any kind of regularity because okay. he's doing one book a month at this point so what's he do the other three and a half weeks right you know it's it's kind of a weird statement it doesn't say that's what he draws the rate that he draws i know it's It's kind of implied but i don't know it's kind of weird
1: next round of dudes are uh guys that show up on grendel comics a lot Mm -hmm. always good looking stuff but i never really read that shit.
0: yeah Gene Hall I ran into at a library conference not too, a couple years ago, maybe a year or two ago. He's, and, one, uh,
1: he's one of those guys, man. Like, like uh, at this, I didn't see the this. There's like a Green Lantern comic that's like his first deal, but that uh, Adventures of Cyclops and Jean Gray or whatever, that was right when I started to find comic shops. Like, I got it at Bill and Walt's at, at okay. uh, Century Three Mall, and there's art in that that just blows my mind. So, like that photorealistic thing. There's still that image that they use it a lot in promo and shit of, like, the Nathan Summers, like, robot eye down, like, upshot with the fucking cybernetics on his face and shit. Such a cool drawing.
0: Yeah. Um, Top ten, right? The Alan Moore series is is what I think of when I first think of uh, Gene Haw. Ron Garney is listed here, and I had no idea. I thought he was a longtime veteran Mm -hmm. of of making comics. So that was kind of surprising to me. yeah, I don't know. You know, like he's... when he's doing Captain America, I always think of him as like, oh, he's established. I've seen him in these other books, but right. maybe I didn't. Kevin Law. I don't know what all he's done, but the thing that's coming up is the punks special manga punks. I mm. recently picked that one up. Makes me curious, like, what all he's done. But clearly, like, he's talking about bringing manga stuff in to certain elements, like characters' expressions, but then doing, like, American style uh, figures and things like that. So, right. kind of interesting. Curious what all his career is. Warren Ellis, uh, very early in his writing career. And Umberto Ramos again. So uh, this guy seems to be hitting.
1: Ramos. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. There's a couple listings in here. A lot of filler of this sort. Spinning a New Web, this is another one of those. Like, this is a history of Spider-Man. I think they're trying to do damage control in a clone saga, which apparently sold well, but wasn't critically well-received. I think it turned a lot of people off, too. Yeah, I think it was just uh, too far. And look, somebody yanked out my X-Files. <laughs> this is stupid. This is a weird article. Has the superstar artist been replaced by the flavor of the month? And I don't it, know about flavor of the month, but has it been replaced by companies not wanting to push any artists that then they go say to it, Image? They say it in here,
1: man. There's a uh, Joe Casada quote, man. DC and Marvel both are gun-shy about creating stars who can be stolen away from them right now. And I'd say to this day, like we know for a fact, man, we have a friend who we bumped into at a comic shop and she wrote comics for Marvel and she did not feel like she was allowed to even interact with the artist. She felt like the editor's supposed to be a, a liaison between that stuff, uh, probably keeping emails away from one another so that you can't have those connections. Thankfully, there's still comic conventions, so you can connect with people at that level. Uh, But, like, they will not help you create a great pair so that you guys could go off and do an image book and have real success that you own and shit like that. They're not going to be a part of that.
0: It made me think, who's a superstar artist that's been created since then? that That has become a superstar artist since then? I don't know if there is one. A guy who, like, if you went, okay, this person's going to do a Spider-Man book, and we're going to sell millions of. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there is one since this era. And I don't know, I, I don't think publishers can completely control that. You know, I'm not sure exactly what causes that. But I don't know that there's been a superstar artist of the caliber of a Jim Lee, a McFarlane, yeah. uh, a Liefeld, those, since, 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 since those guys. All like, those that's guys, it.
1: yeah, all those guys, like, you know, I spoke to basically all of them individually at one point or another and one of the things that they all hold in high esteem of importance is to have a run and it's to have monthly consistency on the racks for a little while and marvel and dc kind of prevents that like they they don't let that happen they let writers do it and who are the superstars it's the writers who are the superstars you know it's 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 these batman writers who break off and then have these hundred Thousand plus mm-hmm. image books and stuff. So it's not the artist; um, they're not going to make that mistake again. Do you think it's it, the, Do you think it's completely in the control of the publishers that they're? It, it doesn't. I think they have lots of control. Can you go back one real quick, man? Because like this is uh, where is it? It's this piece with like established superstar artists talking about the the sort of other real. You know uh, what? Do, what do you call it, man? Uh, the the fleeting nature of their artistic fame and things.
0: Yeah, it's it's a pretty strange article,
1: especially to have five or six pages devoted
0: to it. It's it's really stupid. And here's like um, some upcoming guys, some odds. And you know Joe Mad Madirera Deer- and J. Scott Campbell, both guys who I think of as like. They were pretty hot, but also they leave comics pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I, I
1: think it shows like like their interest in comics. Like you're going to go where the loot goes.
0: Uh, well, further, you know, I mean, to me, that's further examples of like you're just not able to do a superstar say in the latter half of the '90s because cells aren't there. You know yeah. what I mean? Nobody was able to go, hey, let's recover from this collapse. It didn't happen. So you know, that's a chicken or egg, maybe but I think the guys who were positioned to maybe be that next generation of superstar left.
1: Yeah. And Joe, Joe Matt has always uh, said that like, you know, comics is a means like, like uh, it's not his primary interest or anything like that. That might be it.
0: Yeah. I feel like this is going to be the uh, fast forward (laughs) through all this. Uh, the 95 rundown it's kind of interesting i don't know if you went through this super fine print but there'd be a couple of pop-ups that would stand out to me like kabuki debuts in january of 95 david mack goes on to have quite a career um so it's kind of neat that that's his debut ghost in the shell in march ghost in the shell number one i feel like that's a pretty big book yeah it's so funny because this is such a big year
1: for me when it comes to comics like uh on the next page jimmy um. oh these
0: are the big 10 stories from this year comics go hollywood kind of interesting in where we have come in the 21st century in terms of that probably the biggest story in a weird way uh the price crunch paper pushes cover prices up this is my oh let's say this again every five minutes because we've been talking about this forever literally like the history of comics is the price is going up let's blame the paper prices same deal today uh the clone story you know, it's, it's interesting what this story represents, which is like the mega crossover that fans, everybody seems to push against, but it feels like these continue to go on to this day.
1: Yeah. Cause, cause what people say and what they do with their buying dollar is completely divorced.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Comics go online. Obviously this is a big story. Maybe this is your number one story when you think of like everything's online at this point. Yeah. And they're bolstering
1: a t- like a 10 year old comic server that's like on news groups, prod prodigy or whatever, and there's uh forty five thousand members. So that that lets
0: you know, like, we got almost eighty thousand. You know, it does make you wonder though, like, how many people from that era have sort of profited or shaped comics. You know what I mean? Like, you're in the very early, potentially influential platform here. Yeah. The people that jump on there in that forty five thousand magic show. This is interesting to me because we've had, uh Gilbert Shelton talked about this. You know using some of these cards as a way to uh shelton drum has talked about this as uh something that helped keep store doors open yeah uh in in kind of the dark days of the late 90s so uh kind of interesting to see that story here because that again is the subtext of this issue like they talk about it in a lot of different ways from different perspectives but that's a piece yeah how do you keep going yeah and and how do we survive like these collapsing distributors and sales plunging it's a mark miller comic he would have been in the eight to the four of
1: the previous mm-hmm. new, new year stuff
0: yeah incredible when you think of like scratching and clawing your way to be mark miller you know people don't think about this as part of his journey but that is really taking whatever you can get and trying to make uh lemonade totally
1: like like it's so funny when we got to that issue because uh, i was reading fantastic four and when the scrolls are introduced that the way they end that story is they get transformed into cows. And like this picks up after that, like the cows get their memory back or something like this. This is a great sentence. Man, a small press is strongest and best growing part of the comic book industry. This is the sort of chink in the armor that makes the Fantagraphics is and all that stuff become just more viable. Publishers of comics.
0: Yeah, and I think that you could credit Image to some degree of this gaining traction. Because it's a chance to look beyond Marvel and DC at what's coming out. And, you know, very formidable. You know, this is SPX, I think, is mentioned here. as like maybe the first SPX was this June. So, yeah, those are are big moments, I think, in American comics history.
1: Yeah, and it's fascinating, though, because it's a push-pull, because when the uh, distribution goes away it becomes way tougher for for these small press guys to uh, to keep a foothold because with the old distribution models, you could keep every month, you could have the whole cat uh, the whole catalog of books in there, orderable, but like Diamond just wants the latest greatest.
0: Yeah. The Penthouse Comics editor commits suicide July 20th. Um, Michael Jordan's retirement is listed in here, which is funny. Now I got to go play baseball for a minute. Manga migration. So obviously manga, everybody watching this, I hope, understands manga is huge. (laughs) The the biggest, uh, if you call it a genre, the biggest one in American comics. But they mention, they see the transition here as graphic novels. Mm. Very telling. 1995, 96, and they're already kind of seeing the future. Because to me, it's about 2005 whenever that really becomes like, okay, this is the footprint now for comics going forward. They're talking about it 10 years before it really takes over the bookstores and that everything. makes
1: so much sense, man. And, and on the strength, they mentioned it here too, man. Oh My Goddess. Like when I started going into the comic shops, uh, I wasn't into the big eye kind of mangas and shit. And Oh My Goddess is one of those. Uh, but in that back section of Phantom, on that little like the little foreign section, you know, it'd have like an the Asterix, there'd be about 10 volumes of, oh my God, it's trades, which is like insurmountable. Cause like, that's the problem yes. with American, uh, the American system is that there's just never enough volume to bring those prices down. So they're, they're $20 books, you know, and there's 10 of them. So it's like, what, what do you expect me to do? It's the same prices as, uh, you know American comic book collections and shit, and then it really takes like like the Viz, where you 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 step down the production a bit. Like you realize that that part doesn't matter so much if you got like a good quality thing. Scale it down. The tankobon size is much smaller, and they could squeak ten bucks out of that man, which is still more expensive than the Japanese tankobons and shit. But it's not twenty dollars. Yeah. In nineteen ninety five.
0: Distributor exclusives, Um, you know, this is Marvel and DC choosing Diamond and Marvel going on their own house distributor, Heroes World, for a minute. Um, And the speculation is like, I suspect more stores will not carry kitchen sink books distributed by Capital, which goes under pretty quickly after this, because they won't want to deal with yet another distributor. That's Brian Hibbs uh, weighing in there, you know, a comics retailer talking about what these different distribution exclusives mean and like we've heard people i think eric reynolds uh, has talked on our show about like whenever they make that announcement of exclusivity it's over like it could totally changes the comics landscape and the publishers all knew it and you know i think retailers probably knew it so pretty wild stuff yeah yeah this is a pivotal year man
1: like like in every kind of sense of the word
0: shy girl i added to my list this is um joel or or yeah the artist um graffiti artist right didn't he go on to become a graffiti
1: artist yeah yeah uh what the f- he, i follow him man um
0: i have his he did a couple zen intergalactic ninjas and i have those in the arc really cool apparently this was a uh, character that that kind of came out of that are you familiar with koichi ohada no yeah i wasn't either uh kind of a neat interview talking about his path to through anime and manga and also referencing some American comics that he picks up when he's in l a Bisley and Todd McFarlane are the two names he cites
1: my my dudes when I go out to uh, Japan I bring Bisley comics to uh to my guys man uh they 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 really dig that stuff the uh the guys who who dig uh american comics they really do get ghettoized a little bit out there. Yeah, I can and, see that. Uh, when I went to Tokyo, like, okay, Francis, instance, you, you heard of uh, Full Metal Alchemist as a thing. Like, that guy was at the Tokyo Comic Con. And that's a superhero convention and shit. And he got no love. And it's like, this is a popular manga. It's very popular in the States. But nobody was going up to him. Nobody cared. <laughs> like, they like what they like, and that's all.
0: I was sad because I think last issue they talked about American manga was going to be kind of covered this issue, and it doesn't really happen. Nice Palmer's picks, again, reflecting on where the industry is. So you get like Paul Pope, you know, THB being one of the big breakout comics of 95, and uh, some rundowns of what various indie publishers have plans for. Um, There's talk of graphic novels here too. So, you know, maybe outside of the big two, You've got companies trying to figure this out and thinking like there's some opportunity here, especially with these so many of these indie books would run multiple issue storylines. Yeah. So you'd start to get collections and now you could sell those in bookstores or you could sell them to people who aren't necessarily going to uh, Wednesday comic yeah. shops.
1: Yeah. If if you can figure out how to get the bookstores receptive and there has to be outliers yeah. And and we see names in here, Chris Ware. Uh, Al Columbia's Biologic Show. Like, I think Chris Ware, like, did a whole
0: lot. You, you, Jimmy Corrigan, I think, sold, like, 100,000 in book collection. It got that literary McSweeney's crowd behind it, and I think that to sell at that number, you're, you're, you know, bookstores take notice. Booksellers take notice. Right, and and it's bougie New York. Like,
1: you have to you have to get the coastal cities on board, because they're, they're the tastemakers. They're the people writing in your magazines, you know, like, they're, 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 they're putting out McSweeney's, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you need to get them on board. And then that created that little bub- that little bubble that we were a part of and took some advantage of. But it wasn't an image-type bubble. It was, like, more opportunity-type mm-hmm. bubble. Because, uh, like, they still had to figure that shit out, man. Because, like, with the way advances work, that had to be ironed out. You know, the stuff I did with Harv for Villard, which is Random House. They give you that third, third, third the first third Harvey took all of that so mm-hmm. so I had lived on savings for like 14 months making that comic and fuck it ate ramen noodles when we first hung out we'd go to the coffee shop I wouldn't even buy a coffee I would like have some bottles of water and sneak in with you guys and just kind of chill out because I just couldn't spend a dollar
0: um great names the yeah. people who were active at this time, amazing. Julie Doucette, Seth, Chris Ware, you mentioned already. Terry Moore, Chester Brown, Jim Woodring, Harvey Pekar, Don Simpson, Jay Stevens, Steve Bissette, Dave Lapham. What you're looking at on these
1: pages is the stuff that we're, we're starting to buy because superhero comics suck a dick. You know, like I'm not reading alcoholic...
0: Reed Richards is coming back to Fantastic Four. I could give a fuck. Yeah, it's really interesting because this is like right before comics kinda go mainstream. But these are the names, some of them, that will be there when it happens. And it's almost like we gotta build the products and then, you know, we can push together.
1: Here's that one thing, man. Always the Bridesmaid, never the Bride type shit, man. Spider Baby Graphics. A Tyrant will be back on track in 96. Creator Steve Bassett hopes to release four to five issues this year. Uh, That will not happen.
0: No. There were four issues in total, and that's all. Yep. Yeah, it's a bummer. Jeff Smith being published by Image at that time, which we kind of talked about before. Uh, trailer Park, I got nothing here. No, never. Though
1: though that uh, the uh, Generation X movie
0: oh, yeah. saw it, loved it. Was that on Fox? It was. doesn't hold up. No, I'm sure. Uh, top 10 comics. I don't think too much has changed since we last looked. I don't know what X Men Prime is. Yeah, I do, you do remember that.
1: Yeah, I have that. It's a, it's a. Uh, I think it's old. Uh, Brian Hitch He's like one of the main dudes in that thing. But yeah, I got it in the box. It's real ugly. Like when, when the art started to look like this, I was fully uh, off. It's, it's a, it's a, the superhero. It's the British superhero guys. So it's like Paul Neary, Brian Hitch. Like there's like a wonkiness to their aesthetic that. I just never really gravitated. My, my top dude is like uh,
0: Liam, Liam Sharp of that style that I can get down with. Double Impact is number fourteen. I see this book in every yeah. dollar box I look at, and it is awful. <laughs> it's so bad. We did a video on this yeah. one. Sweet cover, so good. Got a reprint of that top
1: uh, New Mutants uh, graphic novel.
0: Ah. <sighs> I like the uh, Tom Coker art in Gen 13 Max number one. I do too, man. I got one issue with that. I think there were two. It's pretty stylized and I
1: like it. Shouts to Jean Paul Lyon. Yeah. Like that was such a striking cover. I, and I think I remember seeing a black and white version of that.
0: Yeah, it sounds familiar. Cover. Akira finishes up its
1: run. That has been solicited for years in here, I feel they like. They said a three
0: year delay.
1: Yeah, it's all. It always shows up whenever it's like close.
0: We talked uh, before yeah, about GI Joe number one coming through Dark Horse. Bought and, it. Uh, there's up, your cover for that. Bought it off the Frank fucking racks, Rack.
1: man. Had this in my pull list. These are the things I had in my pull list. I got like I like, got that issue one. This Madman was on my my pull list with uh, um that's uh
0: Alex, Alex Ross? Ross
1: on top of him. And if I remember right, the back cover is uh, from a,
0: the Frazetta Madman. Wow, oh. boy, that's a that is a cover power pack. Yeah. That's great, Kane number twelve. I'm a huge Paul Grist Kane. Mark, cool to see that here as a self-published, you know, crime story. Max twenty one, written by Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. I have this issue. Might be a uh, future episode in there. Yeah. About all I got there. We squeaked out a full real episode, Jimmy. Somehow. Don't know if there's anything else. No.
1: The one other piece for Wizard is that uh, Inquest magazine is going to be a thing now. That's the collectible card game shit. So I don't know if they had the article. I, I don't know that the um their toy magazine, Toy Fair, is a thing yet. I'm sure we would have, would see stuff in here. So they're going to collectible card games before toys, which is which is a interesting move. Let you know it's it's really before McFarland starts cooking and and bringing sexiness back to uh, action figures.
0: Our uh, profiles are Adam West and Burt Ward. Uh, I have nothing to say here, but, I, but this does speak to the move towards um, screen screen anything. I'll
1: say this, but, uh, this video game list about uh, CD-based video game consoles is the most sound piece of the entire uh, magazine, <laughs> man. All the grades are exactly spot on with TurboGrafx CD having the worst and PlayStation. Even though there's just a very small amount of games out right then, Getting the A,
0: there's some real solid... I had a PlayStation in college. That would have been probably my last uh, game system. Yeah, it makes sense. I like the uh, this art. It's like a real knockoff of Glenn Fabry, Simon Bisley kind of paintings. Totally. <laughs> wow, we did it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i shocked. Right. Not a great issue as far as I'm concerned, but uh, it is a little atypical that it's that year-end. Spectacular. And there, like I say several times already that subtext of like the market is collapsing it just feels like it permeates most of the content of this issue even though nobody comes out right and says how bleak things are yeah and i mean it's gonna get worse you know we could do an episode of just max letter pages because sam keith is very honest in those and he goes for another i don't know 20 issues what is max run i think close to 40 issues right so at issue 21 like it's going to keep going down, but you can kind of sense everybody's scared to death of the collapsing cells. It's true, man. Ready to go. Kfabers like,
1: follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. King Fabers are watching us stream this video live. But the vids are brought to you by... The books that we make, man. Jimmy,
0: what do you have out there? Street Angel Princess of Poverty is my next release from Image Comics. It'll be out in a couple of months. You can pre order it now. 20th anniversary of Street Angel, collecting all of the Street Angel comics that are not in Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive, including a, a story that has not seen print before and a lot of unpublished artwork in that one. I also have Hulk Grand Design. You can't miss the f- giant oversized fluorescent green cover. Plain Jane's first young adult graphic novel. And you can read my latest comics on patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. Hop Family Tree Omnibus
1: coming out in 2023. Uh, collecting the th- four volumes of hip hop family tree that are out there plus 140 pages of additional art and content that not in the originals man 504 pages we're clocking in at uh towards the end of this year man for the holidays scoop it up put in your pre orders right now today so we know how many of these things to uh print uh there are two volumes of red room trade paperbacks out there we are putting out the third and final installment starting in May. Red Room Crypto Killers 1. That's the cover you're looking at there. That's the cover for issue two of Red Room. Going to come out on a monthly basis. Murder on the Dark Web for fun and profit is the name of the game. There are three volumes of X-Men Grand Design and WYSIWYG. Support our books. Keep these vids coming to you on a
0: regular basis. But there are other ways to support the channel. Jimmy, let the people know. Subscribe to the Cartoonist kfab newsletter at the link below this video. You can also find Cartoonist kfab t-shirts, merchandise, hats, mugs, Stickers and more at our spread shop. That link is also under this video. All oh, great ways to support the Cartoonist K fabe channel, given those marching orders will be on our way. Read more comics.